listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Amen. So why do we do worship? Why do we worship? That's what I want to talk about today. This is the last of the series of the best summer ever. And this was inspired by a devotion I gave two weeks ago during our prayer encounter on a Saturday morning. And God really just ministered just during that time. And I just really felt this is something that I need to bring to the entire church. So I want to talk about worship today. Come on, say with me, worship. I want to show you how important worship is to your Christian experience, to your daily life, to your walk with God, your relationship with God. I think to be a worshipper is one of the greatest titles and honors that we can ever be given. I truly believe that. If someone was to say to me, Philip, you're such a worshiper, uh, that would be such a great honor and a privilege to me for this reason. Why? Because worship isn't directly for me. Worship is all for him. Come and you may say, well, it's not directly for me, but I can get something back from it, of course. But true worship is all for him. And that's the misconception so many people have when it comes to worship. They say things like this, well, I just didn't get anything out of worship today. I just didn't feel anything. It was a new song. I, I didn't feel that song. I just didn't get anything out of worship today. Well, here's the truth. It's because worship isn't about getting. Worship is about giving. It's about giving to God. It's about giving our lives to God. Now, I'm thankful that the promise that God has for us is that when we give, we'll get back. But that should never be our motive why we give to God in order to get back. Leave that up to Him. You just praise Him and worship Him for what He is. Look at the word worship. Here's some definitions. Worship means to give great honor and reverence to someone or something regarded as sacred. Worship is an expression. Notice again, a giving of honor and reverence. Worship is great love. I love that. It's admiration. It's adoration. Worship is to consider something extremely precious, to hold it dear, and to adore. There are many other definitions of worship, but one of the ones that I think of when it comes to worship is this, that I, me, the sinful person that I am, imperfect, don't get it right, make mistakes, lose my temper. Come on, anyone amen in me? Come on, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about us. That we in that state, think about this, through worship, get to boldly come to a perfect, awesome, incredible, 
life-changing God. That to me is just awesome. That I can, despite me, through worship, I can still touch God. And so worship to me is how I take my eyes off myself because it's not a pretty picture, my problems and my needs. But through worship, I can fix my attention. I can fix my focus and my gaze completely on God. Worship is a break from my problems. Come on, where I can just focus in on God. You see, worship isn't just a song in church. Thank God we call those worship songs. We were led in praise and worship today. It's a song. But worship is more than just a song. It's more than just singing. It's more than just music. It's more than just lifting our hands, dancing, expressing ourselves. Because what we call of that is they are acts of worship. They're not worship. They're an act of worship. It's just like saying thank you is an act of kindness. It's not kindness in its totality. But it's an act of kindness. It shows kindness, but it's not just kindness. So what is worship? Worship is more than just an act. An act of worship. Even those those things are very important. I believe it's important to lift our hands. It's biblical. The Bible speaks about lifting our hands and praising God. The Bible speaks about clapping our hands. The Bible speaks about singing in psalms and praise. The Bible speaks about dancing and celebrations when it comes to worshipping God. But it's more than just that. Those are acts of worship. What worship really is, is this. Giving your life to Christ. Surrendering your whole life to Him. Saying, God, I want you to take complete control. How many of you came in here burdened down today? Come on, just, just be honest. Just something pressing on you, something you've got to do this week. Just come on, let me see those hands. Just something that could have so easily stole your worship today. You can put your hands down. You know, that's why I love the actual praise and worship time that we have in church. For some people, it's just a filler so they can get to church late and not miss the message. You know, I've got like 20 minutes because they're going to sing that long and I won't miss the message. Listen, if you come into service after the actual praise and worship, I'm telling you this, you are late, but you are not prepared to receive the word. Because worship is like you standing at a bus stop. And you're stopped at your place of pain. You're stopped at, man, I've got this to do this week. That's where you're at. That's your place. But as you begin to worship and praise God, it's like you get on that bus and that bus takes you from that place. And it takes you into His place. And it takes you into His presence where the Bible says there is fullness of joy. In His presence, there is life evermore. In His presence, there's peace. In His presence, there's direction and comfort. Come on, it's more than just singing a song. It's entering in to a life-giving experience that can change your life. And how you express your worship is between you and God. Everyone's different. I like to be outward expressive with my praise to God because if I can do the same at an LSU game, I believe God deserves a whole lot more. That's just what I'm saying. So, so I believe in expressing myself. And the reason why I do that is because I consider many times and reflect back on what God has done for me. I look at my wife. I look at my beautiful children, six incredible children. I look at what God has done. I look at this church and everything that God has blessed me with. And I'm telling you right now, it sure ain't hard 
to put my hand in the air and begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I said it sure ain't hard to begin to move my feet because I can feel it inside of me. Come on, Jeremiah said it like this. He said, you can try and hold me down all you want, but there's a fire inside of me and I just can't keep quiet and I just can't keep still. And we're not chastising those of you who don't express God like that, but the challenge is this. Go to the next level of worship. Come on, if you maybe lift your hands to here, take them up a little bit higher. Come on, if you kind of just stomp one feet, try stomp two feet. Come on, just take your worship to the next level as we consider everything that God has done. During our series a couple of months ago, WWDWWD, Why We Do What We Do, we actually talked about worship in in a real detailed way. We, We discovered that we are actually created to worship. That our body, our being, is actually instruments of worship. That there are three types of musical instrument. There are those that are known as strings. There are those that are known as percussion. And there are those which are known as wind instruments. Our bodies are made to be every bit of praise. We have a string. It's called our vocal cord. And as we allow that to vibrate backwards and forwards, a sound comes out. Come on, we're a horn, we're a wind instrument because we have breath. And the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise God. And you know what else we are? We're percussion because we can clap our hands and we can stomp our feet. Come on, we were created to worship Him. Look at the scripture from John 4.23. It says, but the hour is coming and is now. In other words... Right now, this is it. What? When true worshippers, God said, will worship the Father. If there's ever a time to worship, it's right now. The hour, the time is right now. And the Bible says, for God, the Father, He is seeking such who, what? Will worship Him. He's seeking those that will worship Him. The actual word worship there really wasn't translated properly because there was no word in the English language that they would have to really compare it to what it was. So they used the word worship. But worship is actually a verb and it means this, to kiss. It means to kiss. But it's more than just a kiss. The thought or the picture is like a dog licking his master's hand. Picture that. The joy and the excitement. Come on, if you've got a dog and you step in that house, that dog's not staying sitting on the couch. Or if that dog's in the backyard, that dog's jumping up trying to get in. Why? Because as soon as you let them in your house, they're licking all over you because they are so what? Happy to see their master. That's the picture biblically of our worship. Our worship should be, wow, I get to praise God today. I get to give him what he really deserves. And it's not even really something we do. It's who we are. Worship is who we are. I'm so glad that God isn't a a distant, faceless being. But God is one who's out seeking for those who would worship him. That God is seeking for those who want him. And I want to be one of those people. Now we've laid the foundation. Can we build on it? Look at this story from Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, 18 and 19. It says, while Jesus spoke these things to them, Jesus was teaching like he would do. Groups of people, crowds of people 
were all around him. People loved Jesus. They were drawn to him. He was different. Come on, he was weird. If you were here last week, he was weird. Come on. People loved it because he was different to everything else of that day. And while he was speaking to those and teaching them, behold, a ruler came and what? Come on, follow along. It's on the screen. He came and worshipped him. A ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. Would you come and lay hands on her so she will live? Other accounts, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we see in Mark that it doesn't record the fact that she was already dead, but she was near the point of death. So whether she's dead or near death, there's still an urgent request. It's still a really urgent situation. And from this story, I want to give us six points of worship today. Are you ready? Number one, he worshipped. He worshipped. Just think about that for a moment if you could. What does he do when he comes to Jesus? He worships him. He worships him. He doesn't say, Jesus, my daughter is dead. Would you do? He comes and he worships. It doesn't tell us how he worships, but I'm sure it looks something like this, that he got down on his knees. He prostrate himself. He came before Jesus. He did something before he made his request. Notice that. And he had a desperate need. There's nothing more desperate in life as a parent than your kid having a need. If your kid is sick, man, you are miserable because you want to take that sickness because you don't want to see them sick. This child is either dead or at the point of death. This man is desperate. He's desperate. In our thinking, we could say, well, God could excuse the fact that I'm not worshipping him right now because this need is bigger. Oh, watch out. We've got to watch that our need doesn't become bigger than our God. I said, we've got to watch that our need doesn't become bigger than our God. You see, we talk so big about our problems that we need to remind our problems how big our God is. And that's what happens when we worship. Listen to me today. Because he doesn't forget who he's asking. That's what's so great about worship. I don't forget who I'm coming to. Oh, I've got a need. But listen to me. I'm coming to the one who can meet my need. You see, as I come to worship, two things happen. Number one, I remind myself of who I'm coming to. I remind, and I need to be reminded many times that God's got it, that God's in control, that God has it. And that's what worship does. It takes my eyes off of me and puts them where they need to be. And it reminds me of the greatness of God. And secondly, what happens is, It just taps me into, it connects me into the ability and the power that God possesses over every situation that I need. Worship is so powerful. So what does he do? He worships. What's the next thing that we see that worship reminds us? Number two, worship is seeing beyond your need to your answer. It's seeing beyond the need. Maybe we should come to God in a different way. Maybe instead of just coming with our request, our shopping list. God, here I am. Do, 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 do. Come on, we laugh about it, but that's how we are. 
We forget to praise Him for who He is, so we can't be reminded of what He's able to do, and we just come, dump it down, and leave and run away. That's not what God wants. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship with us. He wants it to be a two-way street. I know every day when I pray, I start my prayer like this. I always start my prayer in praise and worship to God. My prayer always begins something like this. Jesus, I thank you for today. God, maybe I'm not feeling great this today, but you're still great. And God, you're still the one that can do it. And I just remind myself and I quote scripture over my life. No weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. I just begin to remind myself of the promises that God has given me. So before I even ask... Come on, I thank the one who I'm coming to. I thank, come on, how many knows what it's like when someone you haven't talked to for months or years and all of a sudden they text you and they want something from you? How does that make you feel? Really, come on, let's talk about it. How does it make you feel used? Like they don't care about me when everything's going good, but they sure want when they need something from me. Come on, that's not saying how God feels, but that's how we feel. So it's better, isn't it, to have a relationship with someone because when you're in relationship with someone, you're like, man, have my mower, take it, do it. You're not offended when they ask you for something because what? You're in relationship with them. Come on, we've got to see beyond our need. Our need is real, don't get me wrong, but our answer is realer. I know that's not a word, but it's my message, so we're going to have it. Come on, God is greater and God is more powerful during encounter for the past few months, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And he said, well, here's how you pray. And he gave them a list of ways to pray, not a religious prayer that we have made it. But notice the first words that he said of the Lord's Prayer. Come on, help me out with it. Are you ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is that? That's worship. It's worship. God, you're my Father and you're in heaven. And God, I'm going to praise your name because in your name there's life, there's power, there's victory, there's healing. So what do we do? We begin with worship, worship, worship. Matthew 6 verse 8. Therefore, don't be like them, the Bible says. Jesus has just talked about people with vain repetition, long prayers, no heart, just desire. Give me, give me, give me. Jesus said, don't be like that. For your father knows what you have need of before you even ask him. I've had people say to me, well, if he already knows, what do I need to ask him? Come on, he can just do it. He can just bring it. And I'm telling you right now, he could. He could just do it. But you know why he wants us to ask? Because when we ask, we have to come to him. That's worship. That I'm pushing aside my need and I'm including God. That's an act of worship in my life. And that worship establishes relationship. Think about this. God made it fully possible for us to have relationship. How did he do that? Died on a cross, washed away all our sins, became sin for us that we could be pure and whole. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. He made it fully possible for us to have relationship. But guess what? You and I are now responsible for the fellowship. He made it possible for relationship, but now it's our responsibility for fellowship. We've got to keep that relationship through fellowship, active and alive. Think about this. When two people who are close together, maybe they have a falling out, they drift away. What's the first thing that begins to vanish? Their fellowship. 
They stop spending the time they used to with that person. Why? Because they're upset with them or they're not happy with them. So what used to be their joy is now, I'm not in fellowship. I'm still in relationship. That's my friend. But our fellowship, it's everyone following me. And many times we can be like that with God. Our fellowship can be gone. And when our fellowship's gone, our prayers become short and shallow. It's just that quick prayer because maybe we were angry with God or disappointed with God. So our fellowship is gone. That closeness is gone. So we still pray and still read our Bible, but we just don't get out of it what we're used to because we have no heart to put into it. We, we don't read our daily devotions. We don't spend time and our attendance to church drops off. You see, no fellowship, we now feel distant. And maybe today, if that's you, if that's the case where you feel distant from God, there's two things you need to look at. Either you have stopped fellowshipping with Him or you have started to disobey Him. I mean, you're living in sin. And so action is required from you and I. Because as we ask, we engage into God. We worship God for who He is. So Jesus agrees to come to the ruler's house. He says, I'm going to come with you. Everything's great. Well, it's awesome. It's incredible. Can you imagine the worship that guy is given right then? He is like pumped. Yes, Jesus is coming to my house. My daughter's going to be okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is all. He didn't care what anyone else was thinking. He was just worshiping hard. Here's the third point of the message. Are you ready? Until. Come on, say with me, until. Have you ever had an until moment in your life? Everything was going good until, come on, everything was just how it was supposed to be until you got a report back from the doctor. You got a call from the principal at the school. Your kid's been in a car accident. Something's happened and it can really mess up your whole day. Come on, until moments in our lives can look like disappointments. They can be hurts. Have you ever been frustrated? I bet you have. If you haven't, keep living and you will be. Have you ever said this wasn't supposed to happen like this? You see, an until isn't a distraction. It's a distraction. It's a hindrance. Let's look at the until. Matthew 9, verse 20 and 20 through 22. And suddenly, as Jesus is heading to heal that girl, a woman who had suffered for 12 years, who had a flow of blood, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. And she said to herself, if I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw the lady, he said to her, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. I could go into great detail, but that's not our story today. But can I tell you, it was a distraction that cost him his daughter's life. A distraction that cost him his daughter's life. We don't see it in Matthew, but we see it in Mark. So let's jump over to Mark and we read Mark 5 verse 35. And it says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, someone came from his house and said to him, your daughter's dead, it's over, she's gone. She's breathed her last breath. Don't trouble Jesus. Don't trouble the teacher any further. Wow. Talk about an until. 
Jesus, come to my house until, until, until. I'm sure it appeared that day that someone had stole his miracle. Have you ever felt like that? You were first in line and someone who was at the end of the line got a miracle before you. (laughs) It's a story in the Bible about that, that an angel would come down and touch the water and whoever was first in got healed. There was a man who had been there, I think, 30 plus years and every time he went, someone got in before him. He was feeling cheated. He was feeling robbed. He had seniority. Where's my miracle? I pay my tithes. I've been in church longer than them. What's the deal? Have you ever felt like someone took the miracle that had your name on it? Why them? That's not fair. Here's point number four. You ready? There's still an opportunity for worship. The enemy wants to steal your worship. The enemy wants to take your worship. That you begin to look at your need again and say, I guess God doesn't care about my need. And we become so need-focused instead of God-focused. But I'm telling you right now, here's the hardest part of the message. But can I remind you today, there is still an opportunity right now for you to worship. And for him, the opportunity was this. Someone else was healed. Maybe you have to rejoice in someone else's miracle while you're still on the way to your miracle. Come on, look around you and begin to give thanks that God is touching people's lives. Why? Because if he's touching their lives, he can still touch your life. It means he's still a God of miracles. And it just means that you're not forgotten that he is still working on your behalf. Mark 5, 36, as soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, What words were spoken? Don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. As soon as Jesus heard those words, he turned to him and he said to him, don't be afraid. Keep believing. What was he saying there? Don't be afraid. Don't see your situation. Still see me. Keep worshipping who I am. Keep praising who I am. I've still got this. I've still got this. Remember how he came? He came and worshipped Jesus. You know how we should go? Still worshipping Jesus. Still worshipping. But she's dead. Keep praising him. I said keep praising him. Because what may appear to be death today, come on can still be life. We used to sing a song years ago that said, there's a promise coming down your dusty road. Come on, from healing hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. You got to keep praising. Oh, it's pointless. My husband's left. It's pointless. They repoed my car. Well, you probably need to praise God now more than you ever have done before. And that's kind of bad. That's not true because we always need God that much. But when problems come, it reminds us of how much we really do need God. Don't allow your praise and worship to be taken from you. Jesus says, still see me. Come on, that's a word for someone today. Still see Jesus. Still see Jesus. Still see Jesus today. Still see Jesus. Believe in me. Don't have fear. Don't have frustration. Don't get angry. Don't allow that regret to turn into guilt. Still see me as your miracle. And worship me. Worship me. Come on, can we just have a praise break for five seconds? Can we just worship God? Come on right now. Can we just see God that he's the one, he's the only one. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. Wow. 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 You don't need to be sitting at the back when you've got problems. You need to be up the front. We talked about the ark of God a couple of weeks ago and we challenged us how we carry in the ark. But I want to show you again a picture of the ark of God. Because I want you to see something in this picture. I want you to realize everything God designs and does. As we look in the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, it's all types and shadows of what we would have in Christ and the relationship He wants us to have in Him. So what we see in the Old Testament is a mirror image, really, of what we can have through Christ, but we have something greater through Christ. So what do we see in the Ark of the Covenant? What we know is between what are two cherubim is what's known as the mercy seat. That was where the presence of God, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, it would sit upon that symbolic of the presence of God. But notice where the presence of God was between. It's between two cherubim. Notice the posture and the position of the cherubim. They are in a position of worship. Their hands or wings are extended out as a sign of worship to God. And if you would see clearly, it doesn't show so clearly on that picture, but their faces are also looking down to the mercy seat of Christ. They are worshiping Him and they are looking to Him. Christy talked about how often we can look around us. Come on, what did Arlen's teacher tell her? Keep looking at the bottom of the pool. Come on, there's a position of worship here that is a powerful position for every one of us. Because that's what we need to do. Look at this scripture, Psalms 22 verse 3. But you are holy God. That means incapable of doing wrong. You are awesome. There is none like you. But notice that holy God, where he is enthroned. Where does he dwell? He dwells in the praises or in the worship of his people. So what happens when my hands are lifted in surrender to him and my eyes are fixed on him? I am building a place where his presence can come into my current situation that's not looking good. But I begin to welcome the presence of the almighty God into that place. Now you may say, hold on a second, pastor. That's not correct because God's presence is everywhere. And you're correct. His presence is everywhere. But may I remind you this, His presence isn't welcomed everywhere. And as we worship, we put our eyes on Him. Guess what happens? We create a place for His presence to come. And where His presence comes, things happen. Things take place. You see, it's easier to come in a position of worship than what it is to live in that because we get disappointed so many times, don't we? Let's be honest today. It's tough to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Look at Moses and the children of Israel. They're facing the Amalekites. Look at this scripture from Exodus 17, 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, the Amalekites I'm telling you right now, it wasn't just he had power in his hands. I believe it was 
power in the worship of a surrendered life because hands in the air is a sign of universal surrender as he began to worship and praise God because we want our hands down doing stuff. We want to fix stuff and we want to take care of it. And God says, you can't take care of that. Your child's almost dead or your child is dead right now. Your problems are bigger than what you can handle right now. So you just got to take your hands out of that and just surrender them to me. Here's the question today. Are you prevailing or are you being defeated? Are you being defeated in your mind, your life, your family, your home? Are you being defeated? Has has that addiction come knocking on your door again? I'm telling you right now, worship is key. This passage is in the Word of God for a reason, and the reason is for you. It's the reason for me. Because we're all in a daily fight. There's a battle that's going on around us. It may be the the Amalekites in this case, but it's going to be your neighbor. It's going to be your boss. It's going to be this and that because you're wrestling against principalities and powers. There's a struggle all around you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's called life. (laughs) That's called life. Life is a struggle. But listen to me. How we approach life. is going to determine the outcome. I said, how we approach life. He's still a great God. He's still able. He's still great. He's still mighty. Come on. How we are in the process is going to determine the outcome. You see, he's either in charge or he's not. He's in charge or I'm not. And what does worship do? Worship shows he's in charge of my life. Because I don't want it, God. I want to give it. I want it to be you. Remember this, Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the winds was boisterous and he was afraid, he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Message Bible says, but when he looked down at the waves, that's Peter. That's Peter. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And he stepped out and he walked as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus... He began to sink. I'm telling you right now, it didn't take him long to begin to worship again because he cried out to Jesus and he put his hands out. Come on. Can you see him in that state? You're kind of going down. You aren't like, okay. You're like, help me, help me, help me. He began to worship, maybe a forced worship in that case. But as he began to cry out again, God said, or the Bible says, Jesus reached out and grabbed him by his hands and saves him. Satan knows how to distract you. I've realized this. Satan's really not even worried if we get to Jesus. Satan's not really worried if you come to church. (laughs) That that doesn't, doesn't really faze him. Because sometimes that can put us into a sense, a false sense of security. And we, we, we don't allow our relationship because we say, well, I go to church and that's good enough. Can you see? Satan's not really concerned and he doesn't have to stop us getting to Jesus for this reason. Are you ready? Because he knows he can easily trip us up on the way. He can easily trip us up along the way. And when he trips us up along the way, guess what happens? We get mad at Jesus. So really, it's a double win for Satan because now we come to Jesus, we're in love with Jesus, but then we get discouraged and we get frustrated because things don't happen. So who are we mad at? Jesus. And Satan likes that. You've got to realize that when he steals your praise, he wants you to be mad at the one who's your answer. 
Come on, he wants you to stop in the process of life. Again, Mark 5, 36, Jesus said, don't be afraid by what you may see right now. He said to him, only believe, look for and keep believing in what you don't see. Man, that sounds a whole lot like Hebrews 11, verse 1. Come on, for faith is the reality of what I hope for. I may not have it yet, but by faith, I'm believing that I'm going to have it. Why? Because it's the evidence of things. Hebrews 11, 1. It's the evidence of things, what? That I don't see. I can't see. Sorry, wrong verse up there. Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, if you can have faith to still see, Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. Come on, I've got to finish this message. Point number five. You've got to live to worship God. You've got to live. Jesus is still coming to your house. But let me talk about your house for a second. Matthew 9, 23, 26. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the musicians and he saw the noisy crowd wailing. Jesus said to them, come on, you've got to make room for this girl ain't dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed at Jesus. They ridiculed him. They made fun of Jesus. But when the crowd was, come on, say with me, put outside. Come on, help me out in this message. When the crowd was put outside. Jesus went in, took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went out into all the land. What happened? Jesus had to first put out what didn't belong in the house. What am I saying right now? Some of us have stuff in our house that doesn't belong. Come on, he had to put out some music. Some of us need to put out some music that don't belong in our house. He had to put out some people. Come on, you need to get some relationships out of your house. Come on, he had to remove things, unbelieving things, things that would stop a miracle from happening. He had, come on, I'm going to ask you a question today. What's in your house? That's stopping your worship and stealing your miracle. Come on, what's in your house? And we're not just talking about your brick and mortar house because the Bible says your house, your body now is the house of God. What are you allowing in your physical home and in your physical body that is stopping your miracle? For real? Yeah, for real. For real, Jesus had to change the atmosphere. Come on, I think some people need to change the atmosphere of our lives. I want to create a home. I want a life that's living to worship God. I want a life that when I'm in my car, come on, I want a life when I'm at the LSU game. I want a life when I'm out with my friends on a Friday night. I want a life that still worships God. I don't want to be a double agent Christian that I'm this way here and that way here. I want a life that no matter where I do and what I say lives to worship God. And by the way, Jesus heals her. What a miracle. Can you imagine the worship that went out from that house? They didn't care who knew. The noise of worship from that house was absolutely incredible. And they didn't care. Why? Because they were holding their miracle. They were holding their miracle. Number six. Here's the last point. Don't forget to give thanks for your miracle. Don't forget to give thanks. Luke 17, 15, 16. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. Come on, say with me. He worshipped. And he fell down on on his face at the feet of Jesus. Come on, say with me. He worshipped. And he was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. Here's a story of ten lepers who came to Jesus. And Jesus said, go and show yourself because you're healed. 
The Bible says, as they went, they were healed and they showed themselves to the priest and the priest said, you're all clean. But notice verse 17 and 18. So Jesus answered and said, when they're not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Were they not found who returned to give glory to God? Come on, say with me, worship. worship. Were they not found? You see, there was Israelites there and then there was a Samaritan. Nine Israelites, nine people of Israel, known as the found or the chosen of God. But yet the Samaritan, the outcast, Jesus said, where's the found ones? Where's the ones that should have known better? But yet here's someone who is a foreigner and an outcast. Catch this verse 19. And Jesus said to him, arise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. That word there is sozo, whole, complete, that you are saved. Saved. You see, worship and praise to God changes everything. That day, nine people were healed, but only one person was made completely whole. And the one who was made whole in his life that was completely changed was the one who came and said thank you to Jesus. You see, worship is my opportunity to give thanks to God. Because I'm telling you right now, here's a statement I'm going to make boldly from this pulpit. If Jesus never does anything else for me in the entirety of my life, He's still done so much that I'm still able to worship Him. He has still done more than I could ever deserve. So as I close this message today, what stage are you at? What stage of the miracle are you in? Are you in the coming part? God, here's my request today. I need your help. Are you in the going part? Have you come to Him, but you're now in the process and it's maybe not looking too good? Or maybe today God's come through for you and you're in the receiving part. You have the miracle. Whether you're coming to Him. Whether you're going, whether you're receiving today, the answer and the position of your life still needs to be the same. You need to worship Him. Come on, you need to worship Him. Come on, let your need bring you to worship. Let the process keep you in worship. And let the miracle increase your worship. Let me say that one more time. Let your need bring you to worship. God, I can't do it, but you can Let the what? The process keep you in worship. God, I'm trusting you. And let the miracle what? Increase my worship because you did it again, God. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.